This is Culturally Attuned. Brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace in partnership with Burning Man Project. Find a space, figure out a way to get people to show up, and then ask them what they want to do. And really, that's kind of the three-step process that I'd say uh, is present in all of my projects I've done you know, in international development. When working as outsiders in a community, how can we avoid prescribing our own responses to problems and instead collaborate with locals to help them develop their own better grounded solutions? I'm Dominic Kirley, and our guest today is Mike Zuckerman, who has led relief and development projects all over the world. From refugee camps in Uganda and Greece to inner city projects in San Francisco and Detroit, Mike shares his stories on how to effectively elicit ideas and expertise from local stakeholders, rather than prescribing solutions to problems as an outsider. First up, we head to San Francisco, where Mike was working with the organization FreeSpace. FreeSpace was an experiment to see what happens when you uh, have the give people the gift of space and it was an homage to the diggers, a crew here in San Francisco uh, back in the 60s that you can actually trace the lineage of Burning Man back to. Uh, they had a free store, they had free food, they did free theater, and uh, at their free store, one of the kind of famous quotes was people would say like, Who, who's the manager here? And they say, you are. And they say, well, why is it free? And they say, because it's yours. And, you know, they really kind of played with this concept of life acting uh, to act as if. And uh, so free space was this concept as well that, you know, was confusing to people. You show up like, what is this? You know, and you're like, it's yours. It, what do you want it to be? And uh, so we got, we rented a building here in the crazy real estate market of San Francisco for a dollar uh, for the month of June, 2013 for the National Day of Civic Hacking. And we created a, a set of principles. Uh, no money was allowed inside, uh, no ego, no logo, no, uh, you know, everyone's a participant and uh, set up a governance structure that was an ad hocracy, kind of the opposite of a bureaucracy that there's some aspects of meritocracy where you get, you know, people follow you based on what you've done, but also this kind of duocracy of just, just do it. You know, people would show up and say, hey, you should, you know, do this over here or you should do, I mean, and we said, did you just should on the floor? You know, there was really this like, don't should, just do it. And so uh, by this, you know, governance structure of anyone can show up and become a leader really kind of allowed this mass participation in transforming an abandoned space into this really vibrant, uh, beautiful and filled with stuff uh, space called free space that really was um, a turning point for me in my activism career in creating space where uh, kind of really distilled down this concept of just give the space and create the conditions where people feel like it's theirs. Um, and that has been done in 17 different countries and all sorts of different cultural contexts. And what's really wonderful about the uh, blank canvas, the tabula rasa of an empty building, that it can be filled in any city around the world by its participants in a completely unique way that also feels very local. And it, it's populated by people and ideas and artifacts 
of the current time and current place. You know, even going to Detroit, it's a, a really hard place um, to show up to as an outsider, uh, rightfully so. People are pretty sick of people showing up and, you know, saviors and, you know, taking advantage of the inexpensive prices. And, but what we did was we just offered a space. Uh, we had a, a barbecue, you know, potluck and just kind of said, what do we want to do with this space? And it wound up becoming one of the most kind of activist focused free spaces that we've had. Most of them were more cultural with art and performance, uh, but the Detroit free space, uh, they had real crises. They had a water shutoff issue where people, residents of Detroit were having their water shut off by the thousands, um, which is a messed up thing. That's a Sun Tzu tactic is you know, cut off people's water. And so the, the, the allowing the freedom of a space to take whatever form the participants show up and do is that's kind of the key because it's a tough thing to do because you know as you gain more experience as you're you know more knowledgeable in a field you really kind of want to have your imprint on what it is you say i kind of know what works or i did it here so i know what's what's necessary here but really staying true to the process of whatever it becomes you know allowing that to become what it is and not get in the way is is really what allows the locals to feel and to actually have it be theirs. Uh, and they came up with the phrase also, instead of the Field of Dreams quote, if you build it, they will come, to if they build it, they will stay. And it's, it, it's a constant struggle. You know, I wouldn't say I've mastered this because there are times where it seems like it's going off the rails or in different directions, but I try to stay as true to the process of provide the space, and you know, allow what to emerge, or allow what wants to emerge to emerge. Before going into another culture, it's important to learn as much as possible about the place, its people, and its history. But it's just as critical to unlearn, to step back from one's assumptions and preconceptions. A community may lack resources and tools, but it is not lacking in knowledge and skills. I learned a lot in doing free spaces in communities that I had never been to, in cities I hadn't been to, in countries where I didn't speak the language. Uh, but this, you know, and, and this pursuit of what are these universal principles that create this sense of agency and also, you know, mass participation. And I think that's kind of one of the central themes that my work and my my research uh, is around. And taking that to different cities is certainly a way to test that, but also taking it to kind of extreme uh, crisis situations is another, uh, another venue to experiment with, do these things work of giving people space, leading with culture, and kind of instilling uh, this spirit of, of participation and agency. So, uh, in the uh, summer of 2016, uh, I received an email asking if I was available or I knew anyone who wanted to come to Greece to try and build a new model for a refugee camp. And uh, because of my experience with Free Space, uh, the, the donor 
um, the philanthropist who had given a lot of money to a large NGO uh, went and visited and was really disgusted by the conditions that were present for the migrants in Greece. So they were looking for someone who knew how to set up spaces uh, but had never worked with refugees and developed the bad habits of the humanitarian space. So uh, I went to Greece and uh, it all starts with a fixer. So that's as we're talking about cultural understanding. Uh, my, my whole life basically runs on fixers now. Uh, and fixers are someone who's from a place, who knows the language, knows what places to avoid, and can kind of help you explore some of the things that you're trying to understand. So uh, I got paired up with Vagalis uh, on my first day, and I think we visited five different uh, refugee camps around Greece, um, and also went to Turkey and uh, to the islands and really tried to gain an understanding of uh, the situation there, and found an abandoned warehouse uh, of which there are many. Uh, Greece is kind of like a country of uh, Detroit <laughs> in similar ways uh, because of their economic collapse and got a warehouse and invited refugees and volunteers to build their own camp themselves. And kind of flipping the model of traditional humanitarian aid, which is very top down. Just basically found an empty space and asked people what they wanted to do. Uh, for the things that required permits, we used local Greek contractors for plumbing, electrical, and carpentry. But the design, the layout, the spaces, the uh, process, the, the way the, the food worked, the way NFIs, non-food items worked, uh, was all designed by refugees and volunteers. And not only was it the best conditions for people to live that were also dignified, it was also much cheaper. But the, the constant reminder, or I guess the, 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 the true learning of the more experience I have is that local people that traditionally are beneficiaries uh, understand best how to serve their own needs. They're lacking the resources, but the knowledge is there. And also this idea that potential is evenly distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. So really what I think my role has evolved into instead of being an expert at creating spaces has really kind of been more about becoming a bridge uh, to individuals who are already kind of self-starters in these really difficult circumstances, a bridge to them to have their own resources, to be empowered to figure things out on their own for themselves and their own community. At times, we need to find creative ways to listen to the community and engage with a real cross-section of representation. Mike describes how he did just that in Uganda during the World Cup. I would say most of my work revolves around listening to people uh, to get the best results. And in fact, my first international development trip or work project uh, was in the summer of 2010. Uh, I was invited to Kampala, Uganda to screen the World Cup uh, that was happening for the first time on the African continent in South Africa. And the project was to set up an inflatable projector screen, um, invite people to watch the World Cup for free, and then at halftime, we would turn off the game and we would have a community discussion. We'd pose the question of what are some challenges that are being faced in this local community and what can we do about it? 
and people would stand up and grab the mic and you know there was a thousand people there and all these issues were brought up and then say all right let's meet tomorrow and work on that and people would show up and we'd spend the day working on that challenge and then the next you know e that evening we'd show the game and at halftime we'd say here's what we did today uh, would anyone like to join us should we do something different are there any other ideas and we did that for 30 days straight and a lot of really amazing projects came out of it that I'm actually still working on nine years later. Some of the things that I was, you know, thought were the problems of plastic and, you know, just things that were very visually different and seemed like they could be fixed were issues that the local community had, but really there were other things that were brought up that I never would have thought about um, around road safety, um, around children's education and, you know, just looking at, um, this leading with culture is kind of really what defines uh, the work I've been doing. If you show the world cup, people are going to show up. If you say who wants to make our community better, you'll get people to come, but they're going to be like a subset of, of the, the, the society there. But by leading with culture, you get everyone. And that's really one of the messages that you need to have a diversity of input and experiences to be able to come up with actually uh, meaningful change. And, you know, diversity is seen as valuable in environment, you know, in biodiversity, in financial investment portfolios with, you know, um, stocks and things. Uh, but it's also really important in trying to come up with innovative solutions or uh, just pretty much anything. So that's kind of what I try to do is find out whatever that thing is that gathers people. In the Philippines after uh, Cyclone Yolanda, it was karaoke, which got people together. You know, in uh, Uganda, especially during the World Cup, it was showing the World Cup. So whatever that thing is, start there, find a space, figure out a way to get people to show up, and then ask them what they want to do. And really, that's kind of the three-step process that I'd say uh, is present in all of my projects I've done, you know, in international development. Throughout his stories, Mike illustrates that outsiders working in the community should not be wedded to a top-down approach. Projects will be more effective and sustainable when they are co-designed and co-created with local communities. This involves a lot of listening and consultation and active participation and leadership by the community. In the end, locals are working to find appropriate ways to address needs and problems in their own context. What have you found to be effective ways to elicit meaningful participation? Can you think of other creative opportunities to bring people together whom you might not normally hear from, as Mike did with the World Cup broadcasts? Thanks for listening to this episode of Culturally Attuned. I'm Dominic Carley at the United States Institute of Peace, and thanks to our partner, Burning Man Project.